0: Ladies and gentlemen to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humblest of terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. See, what you don't know about that Declaration of Independence is that joker was filled with bars, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about absolute flamethrowers. The American education system is so questionable that I bet there are some people watching tonight who believe the Declaration of Independence was the ending of the waging of war for our freedom. There are people watching tonight, I promise you, that think tomorrow's holiday is all about the celebration of our freedom, and in part, yes, that is true. But that is not what the signing of the Declaration of Independence was about. The signing of the Declaration of Independence was America's way of putting the world on notice. Hey, we're over here fighting this tyrant. We sure could use some help. The Americans were getting their ass kicked in the Revolutionary War in the summer of 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was written. Washington had just lost four battles. He was on the way to win or lose a fifth in a row in the Battle of New York. They were absolutely, I'm telling you, getting whipped on the, the war front. The Declaration of Independence, as you know, might be known for the self evident truths, right? The self evident truths. My tongue is fat tonight that all men are created equal, that we have unalienable rights. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And though that is all true, I'll be honest with you upon reading the Declaration of Independence for the first time in full today, that is not some walk-off article. That is not some type of well-written, victorious, slanted, hey, we are in victorious fashion article. That article was a set it off by Lil Boosie. That article was crime mobs, nuck if you buck. That was Kirby Smart's halftime speech. Jamari, don't say shit to their undisciplined asses. That's exactly what the Declaration of Independence, this was not some type of mic drop moment. This was an epic halftime speech. The most epic, epic halftime speech that you will absolutely ever read. At one point in the Declaration of Independence, they take the time out to write out all 27 ways in which King George had oppressed them as a nation. Then at the end, told him in the most polite ways, okay, you're a little Brit, okay? and let's finish this war. We're coming after you. You are not a king. You are a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant. My God, were they flaming him up in 1776. This little halftime speech, again, in a war in which they were getting whipped on the battlefront, this halftime speech got them through the winter of 1776. They were constantly getting pushed back. But in the spring of 1777, Washington and his boys were so hyped, so much so that they actually took back New York in the Battle of Saratoga. Remember, I told you just a little bit ago how the Declaration of Independence was not some victorious walk-off, mic drop moment. It was actually a call to the world, hey, we're fighting this battle. But listen to me, the world didn't necessarily believe in these 13 little colonies. In fact, they were kind of doubting them. In fact, it took until the Battle of Saratoga for the French to actually say, oh, shit, The Americans might win this battle, so much so that they got so much momentum that we might actually go help them out. And the French then went and protected the Atlantic seaboard so the British couldn't refuel their troops, just starved them out, absolutely helped them out. You were not, you were not supposed to win this war, America. That's not what it was. This was such a comeback after the Declaration of Independence. This was such a historical, unmatched comeback that... A 3-1 lead that the Golden State Warriors blew doesn't even match. The, the 28-3 lead that the Atlanta Falcons blew, not even close. <clears throat> this would be like if the Georgia Bulldogs were beating the TCU Horned Frogs 65-7, and then somehow magically TCU were to come back and win that war, but not only to win it down 65-7, to but also do so with like, I don't know, 35% of Alabama's roster, which is basically what America did with getting the French's help. This was absolutely the most blown lead in the history of blown leads by the Brits. I mean, I absolutely love going back because guess what? Thomas Jefferson realized that what his team needed, what America needed at that point in time was the most elite halftime speech in the world ever to see, ever to see. Go read the Declaration of Independence tonight. You will be absolutely hyped like I was today. And I gotta tell you, I absolutely love going back and learning from history, reading about history, doing all this good stuff because I get educated, right? It very much so reminds me of the time where I went back as an adult and reread the birth story of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna be honest with you. Them three wise men, they were ops. They were sent to kill Jesus. Ain't that wild? Go back and read it. Welcome into tonight's show. We got a great one for you. It is a loaded up July for you guys. Happy Independence Day to you. Happy July 4th. But remember, hey, tomorrow is not about the completion of some freedom fight that they completed in July 4th of 1776. No. In fact, today, or tomorrow, rather, is about the greatest halftime speech ever made. It's about Thomas Jefferson looking at them boys and saying, they had us in the first half. But you know what? We're a second-half football team. You know what I mean? We're a good first-half team. But we're a great second-half team. Welcome into tonight's show. We got a great one for you. Hey, some of the nation's most premier offensive linemen are coming off the board. And instead of doing some type of analysis tonight where I give you, hey, what do I think this guy's going to do? What do I think that guy's going to do? We're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about football. We're going to evaluate these football players as thus, just football players. We're going to give you some intel on what we've heard about, you know, the evaluation portion of things. How tall are they? How big are they? Um, what does the film look like? That good stuff. we got three offensive linemen that we're going to take a look at today. I think they're three of the best offensive linemen in the country. Super excited to do that with you today. We're going to talk a little bit about Georgia's Declaration of Independence moment, right? We just told you this was not some mic drop moment. This was not some, hey, we are victorious. No, in fact, this was, hey, we've got a long road to hoe. We need to get juiced for it. And these are the reasons why we're fighting our battle. Uh, interesting to tell you about that a little bit later tonight. And I got a new segment for you. But before we introduce the new segment, I want to ask you, hey, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, rate, review, all that good stuff. Leave a comment if you're listening to us on YouTube today. Um, hey, Twitter's going wild. Don't know what my boy, not my boy, don't know what the kid Elon Musk is doing with the platform. So make sure you're subscribing to us over here. We don't know what's going to happen with Twitter. Not that I think it's going to die someday, but you are your limited users, you know, usage don't really make much sense to me. Nonetheless, random tangent. Welcome in. Uh, super excited, as I told you about tonight's show. Hey, how, how crazy is that? Learn a little bit of history today. Um, shouts out to the Discord. We got a full ass history lesson in the discord this morning it was delightful um so shout out to swamp over there in the discord appreciate you brother uh we got a little history teacher over there giving us some uh wisdom over in the chat uh hey look i got a new segment you know i love me some dj Khaled i ain't gonna lie to you not necessarily his music but his vibes in general i think the dude has wholesome energy he puts tremendous energy into this world when i watch his videos on social media I get joyous. I get happy. It gives me some type of energy, some type of vibe. It's a vibe. So let's vibe. In honor of DJ Khaled's way of putting energy into this world, I felt that there was way too much negative energy, uh, way too much negative stuff in the headlines, way too much vitriol, particularly around your football team. I think you can kind of resonate with this. So starting a new segment, it's called Let's Vibe. This is where I find something that makes me happy, a positive note, if you will. Something that makes me feel really, really good about being on this earth and doing what I do. Okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, let's vibe. How are we going to vibe today? Well, today I want to show you a five-star football player who, though is not from the southeast, traveled back home during his off time this summer to host a camp for the youth where he was from in his hometown. And, of course, though NIL is available and allows people to do this nowadays without the NCAA getting in trouble or getting involved, He did all this free. Okay. His name is Jonel Aguero. He is a a safety at the University of Georgia. And he put on a free camp for everyone that was working. Most recently, all them boys working. You can clearly tell based off the tape that my man was working. You can hear him breathing loud during this videotape. And I got to tell you, when I see young men doing like this, when I see guys going back to their hometown and giving back, you know what? You might think that this is some kind of like new thing. This is some kind of like, hey, good on Jonell. Great for him. No, I can probably show you about seven or eight of these every single summer that the University of Georgia football players end up doing. So, shouts out to Jonell Aguero. Let's vibe. Let's give back to our community. Let's get back to those that were in our shoes decades before. So, Jonell Aguero, hats off. That's awesome for you to go back to your hometown and put it on for young men. But most importantly, it was awesome to do it for free. Right. If you look at that first promo, a uh, little video they have on the on, on the clip that I showed you, you will notice, okay, that my mans did it all for free right here. The clinic is free. 100 t shirts will be given out first come, first serve. So not only was it free, I'm going to assume it cost him money. It cost Donald Aguero money to put on that camp for the youth in his hometown. So let's vibe. Let's feel good. Let's feel happy as we start tonight's show. Glad. To be with you here tonight. Um, you wanna you wanna mix in? I wanna mix. Oh, let me tell you my vibe story. Okay. I don't like to be one of those parents you would think, like, hey, Brooks, big film guy, Brooks big football guy. Man, he's probably had his son watching tape since he was like six months old. Not for real. Not for real, um, have not like forced football onto my son at all. Um, we have footballs around the house. We try to play catch every once in a while if he's interested, but I'm just kind of letting him, you know, vibe and, and go through the world like he is. I'll tell you a story. My son, neither of my wives, are, or, me, neither of my wives, my wives, neither me nor my wife are Oreo splitters. Okay, we eat Oreos whole. Never once in this house in my child's life has he ever seen an individual split an Oreo and licked icing off, never, not once. So the first time we handed him an Oreo, I'll be damned if the son of a gun didn't completely split it open and start licking the cream. Not something he's ever done. I came to the realization as a parent at that very moment that hey, we are what we are. Right, my kid's gonna be who he is. I'm I'm here to kind of guide him out. But if he's if he's gonna be an Oreo splitter, he's gonna be an Oreo splitter. You know what I mean? If he's not going to eat them whole like they're meant to be whole after dipped in milk, and I didn't teach him how to do that, then that's just who he is. He is an Oreo splitter by nature. So he's either going to be a football player or he's going to be a, a, a flautist or he's going to be a tuba player or he's going to be the world's best chess player. He's going to be what he's going to be. I'm just here to guide him. And I thought it was so cool. Again, I don't immerse my son in football or football life or what we do. He's just too young. He's, he's going to turn three at the end of next month. But I asked him tonight before, you know, I came down here to get ready for the show. I said, son, what should daddy talk about on the show tonight? And he looked at me and he said, football has no idea what we do. So it's a vibe, man, somehow, some way. My son knows I'm a football guy, so I'm just I'm just emitting it into the world, uh, you know, and and giving it out. So that was an absolute vibe. And you're probably wondering tonight: this guy's given me 17 minutes so far, and he's talked about the Declaration of Independence, and he's talked about vibing with DJ Khaled. Let's watch some football. All right, we got a stand around here. It's shut up and ground the tape. We're going to go through all three of these offensive linemen tonight. First, we're going to look at, we're going to go in sequential order based off their commitment date. If you're joining us now, first off, hit that like button. Second of all, know that I'm not giving any type of predictions tonight. We are just evaluating tape and talking about the football players themselves. Let's start. With Daniel Calhoun, he will be committing on July 5th, so just in a couple of days. Let me tell you something about Daniel. He's obviously an in-state product. I've known this kid since he was 14 years old, since he was a freshman, a rising freshman over at Centennial High School under Coach O'Sullivan, who is now at Pope, and Daniel is now at Walton. So things have changed, needless to say, as has this football player, but he's always been big. Daniel, when I first saw him, was about 6'5", probably 345 pounds as a 14-year-old. And it was the kind of six, five, 345 pounds at fourteen. You would expect, right? Super all over the place. All you know needed some work. Needless to say, always though, always had SEC big body potential on him. Again, six, five, 345 pounds as a true freshman. Now, my sources have indicated to me at his most recent visit um, to one of the schools that's willing to give me heights and weights. Um, Daniel weighed in at six, or excuse me, measured in at six five and a half, 365 pounds. In my opinion, he's always been a borderline offensive guard, meaning like, hey, is he going to play tackle? Is he going to play guard in college? I've always leaned towards the guard side, and here's why. If he wants to play tackle, he's got to lose 35 pounds, 30 pounds, 25, 30 pounds. So if that happens, we can for sure know for a fact you're going to slot into a tackle position. I think he plays well enough to get those things done. He has NFL++ plus plus traits as a pass protector right now at the tackle position he just does not move with the twitch and fluidity and the pad level that a sec tackle does right now if you know what i mean so we're going to project him as an offensive guard and here's something that I, I i'll say before it comes out in our our mic'd up content we went out to a seven on seven the other day daniel was playing not a seven on seven it was an ota so it was a padded camp i'm mic'd up we got cameras with us so you'll get to see it very very soon here on the channel make sure you support it when it comes out But one thing you'll hear me say during that show or during that, uh, you know, mic'd up version is that Daniel's pad level is concerning to me, but it is not to some. And what do I mean by that? When we're watching that, when we're watching this film here in a second, you're going to notice that Daniel starts to play at one type of pad level, continues to play at that pad level. And then when he arrives at contact, he immediately bends at the waist to get his head below contact. And then he plays with a flat back and he plays with low pad level until he either falls on top of the person he's playing against or that, or, or the play is over, right? This is not I'm going to get my hips beneath someone and forklift them out. That is not what we're about to watch. What we're about to watch is my feet are perfect. My hands are perfect. I have to duck my head to get underneath pad level because I'm bending at the waist, not bending at my ankles and my knees, all right? How do we fix that? Well, some coaches will tell you you never have to fix that. In this clips that we're where the clips that we're about to show you, you're going to notice that Daniel's playing high school competition. And though he's playing 7-8 football in the state of Georgia, he's playing against defensive ends that are 6'1, 6'2. He is a six foot six individual. He's six, five and a half. He's going to be playing against everybody on the next level that's six three plus. So do we care about whether or not he's four inches too high on a guy that's four inches too short? I don't know. I don't know. But without further ado, let's shut up and let's grind some tape. Man, super juice to be with you guys tonight. Uncommon energy as per usual. That's what we bring on this platform. That's what we try to bring on this platform. If you don't love it, I don't know what to tell you, but that's what we do. Here we go. Taking a look at him right here. uh, Playing at about 355, 355 in the spring. He bolstered up to about 365 this offseason. Or excuse me, this summer through official visits. Them boys be eating on official visits. Count the amount of reps, okay? We approach contact above the pad level, okay? Count the number of reps where we approach contact with our pad level and our hips below the opponent. You won't find them, but damn if you'll find a bunch of fight to finish. One thing I love about Daniel is that I know he cares to finish reps. He wants to fight through the echo of the whistle and that is a prerequisite to play in the sec particularly if we're going to slot him at a program like georgia you have got to got to got to play with a tremendous amount of effort and daniel does that this is kind of a a version of what i'm talking about all right look we're playing with good pad level okay we are very much so playing with good pad level right here but check this out now we're dipping our head to get below contact level right That is what I'm talking about. Instead of bending here at the knees and at the ankles, we are bending at the waist. Now, this could be a byproduct of just playing too high. This could be byproduct of some hip tightness or some type of ankle tightness. I don't believe that is the case. I honestly believe this is a case of maybe just carrying a little bit too much body weight in our stomach. Okay. I had an offensive line coach in high school tell me, son, I know you want to be big. I know you want to be 300 pounds. But what is the point of being 300 pounds if we've got 50 pounds of that just wrapped around our waist, not really producing much output? And that's exactly what happens when we have too much weight in our midsection. This is the first thing that's going to get cleaned up when he gets to college. I'll tell you what won't have to get cleaned up is the pass protection. The pass protection patience that he plays with is unmatched on the high school level. It really is. He is never out of place He might be susceptible to a speed rush. I've seen him be a little susceptible to a bull rush every once in a while if he gets beat with speed on a consistent basis. But this is what he lives to do. He's going to live to pass rush really, really efficiently. The other thing I love about Daniel, you will always, always, always see his feet out of the ground. His feet are very rarely stagnant. Okay, that's big man twitch. That's what that is. Big, slow, folks play with their feet in the ground at all times. Daniel does not. His feet are up and down, up and down. Pitter pat, pitter pat, pitter pat. Plays with good inside body lean too. This is a Josh Richardson special. See that body lean guys? See how he's kind of He's kind of playing that pass protection with that inward lean. He's kind of leaning in on his insteps right there. Why? Because that's where the pressure has to go through. If I'm a left tackle, and I got an edge rusher trying to bull rush me, he's got to go through my right peck, does he not? Yes, he does. He's got to because the the quarterback's right through my right peck. Well, if that's the case, let's load up, let's gear up, let's play with a little bit of inside lean to counteract that bull rush right there. That's tremendous technique right here from Daniel. Which, again, is all it is. You're going to see a tremendous amount of technique from Daniel. If you can clean up the body, you've got a day one starter, in my opinion, in the SEC. I think one thing's clear about the way that Georgia is recruiting is they prefer to know that we have to cut weight off of you. They do not want to have to take a project on of putting weight onto you. Think about the last couple of guys that they've taken. Since Clay Webb, really, they haven't taken a, a high-ranked guy that needs extra weight, right? They didn't even – they didn't even really recruit Tommy Brockmire hard. Y'all remember that guy? Tommy Brockenmeyer was a five-star tackle. They ended up committing to Alabama, him and his brother. Tommy Brockemeyer is at TCU right now because he couldn't get on the weight. He couldn't put on the weight. The only uh, kind of change to this rule, as we see Daniel playing offense, offense, um, the only kind of change to this rule right now is David Sanders. David Sanders in the 2025 class right now I thinks like 255 pounds. That scares the ever-loving piss out of me. It terrifies me that you are 255 pounds as a junior in high school. I don't care why it is. I don't care if we're keeping weight off you because we want to keep you light. We want to let college coaches put you on. This is what they're preferring. They prefer Alex Leatherwood coming out of high school where he's 365 pounds. Don't worry. We'll get him down. We'll shed all the body fat off of him. That's not what we're worried about. What we're worried about is whether or not the guy can eat 20 pounds back onto his frame. Okay, that's a problem. If we can't put weight on you, That's a problem. We can always make you lose weight. Every single fat kid can get skinny, I promise you. But not every single skinny kid can get fat. You know what I mean? So got to be very, very careful with the thin dudes. What you're going to notice with all these guys that Georgia's recruiting and the offensive line level, there is definitely a mold, okay? A physical mold. You got to be 6'5 plus apparently, and you got to be 320 plus. Like they want you heavy. They want you to be a mammoth on this earth, and they want to trim you down. Daniel Calhoun going to commit on July 5th. I think he's a really, really good to great high school football player. I think that guy is a third, fourth, fifth-round draft pick. I think he is Jamari Sawyer. I think he is um, not necessarily Tyler Booker out there at Alabama. Um, I think he is the Okafor kid that just got uh, drafted number 55 out there playing interior offensive line. I personally think he's an elite top-end guard, all right? With potential to kick out the tackle. Again, it all depends on the weight. But it, I i haven't seen a bunch of transition in the body in the last 18 months on Daniel. I have seen a transition in the game, though. The game has continued to be refined. The uh, aggression has continued to increase. So Daniel Calhoun going to be a really, really good football player on the next level. Um, this is a good comment right here. Jamari Sawyer was not near six five and a half. No, he's not, six, three and a half, but I was more talking about the positional versatility. Uh, Super clean technique, but not a super freak athletically, that kind of stuff. Daniel is massive. Daniel is not uh, one of these guys that we're going to show you tonight. He is not Marquise Easley. Okay, I I, I don't really think he's quite Nair Daniels. The kid we're about to show you next is an absolute freak show as well. Um, Yeah. Super juiced, super juiced to continue to show you the rest of the stuff. Let's talk about George's Declaration of Independence moment, right? We told you earlier in our history lesson. If you didn't watch it, you should go back and watch. I told you earlier in our history lesson that the Declaration of Independence was not some mic drop. It was not some end of the show type of writing to the to, to King George. That's not what it was. It was not America telling the world that they were free. In fact, it was America telling the world that they were in the process of earning their freedom. That's all it was. It was a hey. We coming, you know what I mean? It was it was very much so at Deion Sanders. We coming in the middle of processing 85% of your roster. That's exactly what it was. So it was kind of this redefining moment of the war. It was kind of like this turning point, if you will, of the war. So where is this turning point if you could search for it in the Kirby Smart regime? And I in nowadays in college football, this is required. Next year, this theory goes out of the window and you don't have to be perfect anymore, but used to. And still in college football, you had to be perfect, which meant the only thing keeping Georgia from a college football playoff run and a potential national title run in years past was 2018 laying an egg at LSU. It was 2019 laying an egg at home against South Carolina. It was 2017 going to the Iron Bowl and laying it or not the Iron Bowl going to uh, uh, Jordan Hare and laying an egg. It was all of those what the hell happened to Georgia today type of moments. So if you're looking for a a moment where Georgia's football program turned a new leaf or wrote their own Declaration of Independence, it's whatever you figured out as a football program to avoid laying an egg. And it goes back to what I was talking about with Jim Harbaugh the other day on this channel. Michigan's problem is not beating Georgia. Michigan, like like every other great program, needs to learn to continue to play to their standard needs to learn to continue to do what Michigan does, no matter the opponent. That's what the difference was in in Georgia's previous 10 and two, 11 and one, or 11 and two regular seasons that didn't end up in a college football playoff run. They were one game away from perfection, or they were one, we didn't show up today, away from being back in the college football playoff, no matter what happened in the SEC championship game. That's what the difference was. 17, 18, 19, and 20, You just didn't show up playing to the standard every single day. And then something happened, in my personal opinion, it was COVID. When COVID happened, what did you start hearing about at the University of Georgia? I know as a reporter, I started getting the the two-term skull sessions drilled into my freaking head. All I ever heard Kirby Smart talk about during COVID was how they were doing team bonding stuff and how they were getting to know each other and how they were spending their isolation periods together and how they were keeping it small groups, but they were – rotating in and out of these skull sessions and it was a byproduct of COVID and they got closer and closer and they started to learn how to play for one another and play to the standard and understand what it means to be a team. There you go. That might be it. That might've been the changing defining moment in Georgia football program lore. Uh, Hey, glad you guys could be in here with us tonight. Make sure you're hitting that like button. Let's get on to our next film evaluation. Um, We're gonna go in the order that these guys are committing. So up next is Nair Daniels. The six foot eight, 372 pound, 11 and a quarter inch hands. 11 and a quarter inch hands on this Joker. And he's got an 85 inch wingspan. That's a big dude. It might be the biggest dude they've ever signed if they sign him. The biggest dude ever. Like he is massive. All right. He is bigger than Jacob Hood. He is bigger than um, uh, Isaiah Wilson. he is bigger than anybody. he is massive. he is even bigger than one of your current commits Marcus Harrison. he is big and despite how big he is the fate the film I'm about to show you it's Big man Twitch it is what it's supposed to look like the, when you are six foot eight 372 pounds and I turn the film on of you and you look like you're 6'5", we good. We good. Sign them up. Get them into town. Do whatever you got to do. This is elite, elite tape for me. The comp, because I don't do a lot of comps on this network. If you've been around here, you know that by now. But the comp for me is Makai Beckham for a lot of reasons, but it's the 1% big. You, there has not been a human that this has been this big in recent memory. This, Based off the film, based off the body, based off what, ever school he goes to, um, this is a second round evaluation for me, floor. The floor is second round. The ceiling is top 10 pick. Let's get after it. Let's shut up and let's grind this here tape. All right, here is a right tackle. Very similar thing that I told you about uh, Daniel Calhoun. Hey, when we're landed on guys, we're not forklifting. We're not getting up underneath pads. We're just kind of laying on top, but you're 6'8", so how else? Now that, that is big man pad level, okay? He is going to get this right shoulder up underneath the shoulder pads and helmet of this three technique right here, boom, right there. That's playing low. That's what it looks like. That's firing out, uh, keeping our hips coiled until contact and then releasing all of the energy up into that individual. That is not playing with an upper head and playing with a high pad level and then sinking our head down at the last second to make sure we're getting underneath or near underneath. No, that's playing with proper pad level. That is what it's supposed to look like I love turning on big man tape and seeing, wow, shit. Like, I should look at offensive line tape. See, I don't mind if you end up above him. I don't. I don't mind if you end up above him. All I care about is whether or not we can start below him. Can we start below him? That's all that I care about. And and then if we rise up and finish, that's what we do. But we have got to play with good ankle bend and good knee bend. Boom. Right there. Mm-hmm. Outside zone stretch footwork is phenomenal. I mean, takes a bucket step, gives a little bit of ground, gets the second one down immediately. This a 370 pounder. Look how quick these feet are. And a finish. And a fight to finish. You know the run game clips are going to be there. This is a road grader, as my high school coach would call it. Shout out Jason Godby, by the way. My history teacher in high school told me that I probably shouldn't get into radio because not a lot of money into it. Boy, was he right. Boy, was he right. Uh, Okay. Okay, stop. Sir. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Based off that. Based off the tape we're seeing, despite the fact that I've told you, second round pick, like this is a, an NFL mover. He moves great for being six foot eight. This is a right tackle evaluation for me for this reason right here. Okay. There's not a t- like, it's not 1% twitch, but we're big and we move well and we're going to eventually be about, I mean, depending on where he goes. Okay. But I would imagine first order of business when he gets to college is lose weight. He's going to have to lose probably 40 pounds. Okay, but God dang. You know what I mean? Like, holy hell, look at the hands. Look at the shock. Look at the, the power in the pads. All that good stuff. That's what we got to see. I got to see turning on tape and seeing an explosion. Uh, that's, that's all I can see. I also see Sadir Mitchell's big butt out here. Shouts out. That was... Okay, this would be a good size comparison. My boy's over here on the ground. But Sadir Mitchell 6'5", 330. Okay, that individual right there is 6'5", 330. So the dude over here on the ground, he is massive. Massive human being. Yeah, we're, lay- we're laying on folks there. I'm right. sorry. I've seen enough. Um, when you look at evals like that, it's very, very clear to me that Georgia. I mean, it's been clear to me, but Georgia very clearly has a mold. All right, it's why I like Casey Poe's a good football player, but Casey Poe doesn't. I mean, they they've recruited Casey Poe, but Casey Poe doesn't look anything like these dudes I'm showing you tonight. Casey Poe's like six three and a half, like two ninety. He looks nothing like. They don't. They don't. Look like they play the same position compared to some of these dudes. All right, so Georgia is very clearly. Recruiting the monstrous of men, like as big and as gifted as we can find, we will make them great players. Like it it would be hard for me to consider Georgia, if, like going back, Kenyatta Goodwin, do y'all remember that name? Kenyatta Goodwin had the industry so fucked up because he was a six foot eight, 330 pounder that was 400 pounds and he looked great on video and everybody's like, oh my God. And then you go watch the kid play and you're like, ooh, oh my God. Georgia would have been all over Kenyatta Goodwin just because he's a massive human. I think that's what their mold is now. And you know what? If they do what they're supposed to do in this class, I remember coming on to this show when Stacy Searles was hired and being like, I don't know, guys, 85 sacks in two years is a lot in North Carolina. Like a lot, like record-breaking, a lot. But I remember saying, like, it don't really matter because whatever he does in North Carolina and whatever he had access to, it's nothing like he's going to have access to at the University of Georgia. I mean, nothing. He's got access to whatever he wants. He's got the power G on his chest now. He can go wherever and get into whatever room. So his room and his board is actually going to be filled with guys that he actually wants now, not guys that he has to take that are left over on the top of the pile. Like, Stacey gets to pick what he wants now in this class at the University of Georgia for the first time probably since 2013 when he was at Texas. Like, this is actually a class and going to be a class, the first real one that he got to put together. And if it don't have footprints of monstrous men, you're not paying attention. If you're not looking at what's going on, you're not paying attention. Um, so, yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you guys being here. Hey, we got a we got a bunch of people in here. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Um, also, make sure you're subscribing as well. Don't miss out on any shows coming up in the very near future. All right. I want to talk about Marcus Easley. Um, Marquise? Marcus, Marquise? Marquise, Marquise, it's Q-U-E-S, Marquise, Marcus, anyways, hey, freak, absolute freak, like, people ask me all the time, hey, who's the next, who's the next Broderick Jones, who's the next freak, who's the next guy that moves like Broderick did, well, it's a Marius Mims to an extent, but who's the next guy, Boy, I don't know if he's coming to Georgia. Based off his top 3, he's not, but I don't know if he's coming to Georgia, but <sighs> Marquise Easley is that. All right. These first Mar- Marquez. Marquise. We got a bunch of bunch of opinions in the in the U- YouTube chat on how to pronounce that name. We got to figure it out. Um anyways, this tape right here, silly shit. Silly silly shit, particularly when you think about the schools that are recruiting, I think his, his top three were Alabama, Michigan, somewhere, something, Georgia in the mix as well. Obviously, um, every program nowadays is trying to find big physical offensive linemen, but athletic offensive linemen, guys that we can run counter with, guys that we can get out on the edge with, guys that we can detach, block, uh, you know, space defenders we play a lot of teams that run zone um you know want to help out in the screen game want to do all this good stuff in modern offenses but they require modern tackles right they require guys like broderick jones who can run mid 19 miles an hour on the gps tracker like freaks of nature so these first two guys i showed you daniel calhoun now you're daniels they are not freaks of nature they are freaks of size they are my god that dude's huge damn really good at football too this next dude freak of nature. I mean, the first two clips are going to scream at you. You're going to say, holy shit. This is absolutely absurd. Ladies and gentlemen, Marquise Easley. Bro, when you move that fluidly, when you are, let me check on the notes here, six foot five, 345 pounds with an 85 inch wingspan. And you move like this, Son, get out of here. Get out of here. I mean, it's it's all over the tape. It's nothing but this for about three or four minutes of him pulling, him kicking, him rapping, him exploding every single where on tape. And he's talking a little shit, too. And he's talking a little shit, too. Let's see what we got here? Oh. Oh my God, the violence, the violence. That's a big kid. He's in there effing up too. 75 is a big fat dude. Look at that big old joker. He gotta be 320. You pulling again? What we got? No, kick slide. Ooh, finish. Oh my God. An angry, angry football player. Like when you watch this tape, you're gonna see a dude who does not like his opponents. And I'm gonna be honest, I've stood around Daniel Calhoun. I've been around Daniel. Daniel fights to finish. He finishes through the echo of the whistle. But if I ever walked up on Daniel Calhoun and thought he might kill me, no. This guy, yeah, yeah. This this guy This guy looks like he carries himself just a little bit different, just a, a, a little bit different in between the lines. And I don't know about you guys, But I think you need some of those. I had a a football coach explain it to me this way. He's probably listening tonight. In every offensive line room, it's great to have majority beer drinkers. Like, you want to have a bunch of guys that are laid back, good old boys, like toss back a few beers, like to have a good time, like to be, you know, protectors, uh, you know, good friend people. But every offensive line room needs, like, two whiskey drinkers, like two dudes that are batshit freaking crazy. Like, I don't know, we might get arrested tonight because Johnny over there, whew, he crazy. Like, every offensive line room needs one of those, and I think you can kind of pick them out in Georgia's room right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Tate Ratlidge were a whiskey drinker. You know what I mean? I, I Micah Morris, beer drinker, for sure. Dylan Fairchild, looks like he could hurt somebody. You know what I mean? Like, a little bit crazy, looks a little bit unhinged, even got the tribal tat. Like, you need some of those in your group this a whiskey drinker this a dude that's about that action and ready to get it whenever it's ready to get got you know what i mean that kind of junk you can see it on the tape bro you can see that he does not like people watch him move here look at the bounce look at the bounce buddy's got that's how nerdy i am i watch it all i watch it all now i also listen to a head coach I'm not a head coach, an SEC coach told me the other day, um, one of which is involved in this recruitment. He's involved in this recruitment because um, who isn't? But he was telling me, I got a, I got a ten fingers rule. If, if, my, if that guy, that offensive lineman, does not put ten fingers on the person who scored, on the teammate who scored, he can't play for me. Over time, I have seen it bear out that he can't play for me. That type of football player does not survive for me. And I thought, hmm, that's an interesting way of looking at recruiting offensive linemen. Because he's right. You do everything that you do so your teammate can score. You put your body through everything that you put it through so your teammate can score. And when he does so, you should be jubilant. You should be lit. You should be sprinting down the field to put 10 fingers on your teammate, right? To show him some love. So when I look on the tape, and I see a big man, I wish he would I wish he would have left it on the clips to stay down here at the 40-yard line and run all the way down. You know who else does this? You know who else used to do this all the time on tape? You can find it. Go watch closely Darnell Washington's hurdle play against Oregon. Watch very, very closely. Notice who's the first individual to touch him on the helmet when he stands up and hands the ball to the referee. It's Broderick Jones. That's who it is, okay? The guy who was playing left tackle on a play where Darnell Washington ran an arrow on the right sideline, ran all the way down the sideline, 45 yards, leaped and hurtled a defender, and then was tackled. The first person to touch him was the left tackle. That stuff matters, all right? And, and, and any other network that tells you it doesn't or any other network that doesn't pay attention to those things, sorry, that's, that's not it. What we are doing is a team-oriented thing. We are an 11-person unit trying to succeed. And if you aren't happy and jubilant for the other 10 people that are in the huddle with you, when they succeed, you will not succeed at this football game. 10 fingers, put them on your teammate when they score. Absolutely. Love this Marquise easily Hmm, Finishing finish. Oh, he got two right there. I think he hit his own teammate. Look at that. Boom. Pushes that guy. Yeah, no, nah, he 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 hit his own teammate right there, bro. This man is crazy. This man is crazy. Mm, good redirect and good finish. God dang, dude. I'm trying to trying to see something. What is he ranked, bruh? bro y'all are telling me right now y'all gonna sit here right now industry recruiting industry and you are going to tell me there are 20 offensive tackles better than this individual that we just watched High, every single one of you absolutely high can't believe how high you are listen to that evaluation that is nuts um ladies and gentlemen understand something abracadabra These ops can't see me like I'm Casper. We'll see you next time. Have a good July 4th. But remember, great halftime speech, not a drop the mic moment. We'll see you.